Hey everybody, welcome to Performance Anxiety. I'm your host, Mark. And before we get started, I want to take a second and thank our sponsors, AKG, for sending us their Podcasters Essentials Kit. It's got an amazing Lyra mic and the most incredibly comfortable headphones I've ever used. Thank you so much for sending them. I'm using them every week. I know I've mentioned that when I started thinking about doing this podcast, I had a top 10 list of guests I wanted to have. Some were obvious and others less so. This one is one of the top three. Richard Black is the singer for the band Shark Island. They played in the LA area beginning in the late 70s through to the early 90s. They released one major label album and a handful of songs on soundtrack. That was it. Richard fronted the short-lived hard rock supergroup Contraband and then left music completely. But after finding a new passion in metal sculpture, Shark Island has returned with two studio albums and one live release. Richard's very candid with me, and we spent a long time discussing his careers, setting bars low to avoid disappointment, watching grunge change the musical landscape, particularly in LA, demoing songs with Skid Row as his backing band, and recording in 432 hertz instead of 440. Check out their music at sharkislandmusic.com and follow their socials. Follow us at Performance ANX on Twitter and Instagram. Please rate and review. It does mean a lot. And you can buy us a coffee at ko-fi.com slash performanceanxiety. There's no commitment. Merch designed by Mark Dancy of Soundgarden's Bad Motor Finger fame is at performanceanx.threadless.com. And let's dive right into Richard Black of Shark Island on Performance Anxiety, part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Hey, this is Richard Black, and you're listening to Ang- oh, God. Anxiety, Performance Anxiety. I keep putting it the other way. Let's do it again. You can edit that out. Uh, hey, this is Richard Black from Shark Island. You're listening to Performance Anxiety. All right. So how are you doing? Good, right. good. How about yourself? Good. It was, a, it was an okay. It was not, not a bad day. Not a bad day. I mean, you know, I... That's good. I was I had a um, kind of a downmatic week for the last couple oh, really? last week and a half I would say actually so it was better it was nice it, it was good oh Came good good even though I love to even though I love to complain <laughs> because I, I have become I become I become quite the pessimist in oh. my in my old age you and me both you we'll get along just great uh, hold there on you Skype is asking for something else again. Okay. Skype is asking for something else. Of course, <laughs> they want never satisfied. They want something? What is? What is? Can you? Can you please send a picture of uh, your backside? Yeah, <laughs> we need it for our. We need it for our files. Yes. <laughs> okay, it's it's fine. <laughs> all right. <laughs> right. Yeah, you know what? That doesn't that wouldn't surprise me at all. It's fine. I mean, I don't. I, I don't mean to sound macabre or anything, but it's just, uh, you know, I had all my, all, all my, all my life, not all my life, but like from, I would say twenty on, it was drilled in my head. You know, this positive thinking and positive attitude, and everything has to be happy, happy, and everything is just, you know, and affirmations and everything, and yeah, and you know, I'm a, I'm even an ex, I'm a, I'm an ex. Uh, an ex uh, S graduate and an and an and and an ex 
Scientologist and oh, wow. all this, you know, all these applied philosophies just kind of drilled in, into your head. And, 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 and I got to a point that I just went, you know what, you know, screw this. You know, I, <laughs> I, 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 cause I realized, well, I realized that the biggest problem in life for me actually is essentially disappointment. Oh, really? And uh, yeah, disappointment is just disappointment, not only in myself, but in, in other people, you know, and that that goes to and that also speaks to like betrayal, you know, is in that category. Yep. And uh, disappointment. And those things are the, those things are the things that bothered me the most. It wasn't so much even what I was disappointed about. But it was it was the activation of trust and the and the investment of trust put into a into a either a relationship or and I don't mean just with you know women but with people you know just yeah, relationships yeah. and then have something just you know well really kind of wow I I you really you really fooled me yep I thought we were on the up and up you know and I was always kind of a you know, wink and a handshake kind of guy. We just, you know, you make a, you make a deal with somebody and you, on your, and your word is your whole thing. That's exactly. just who you are. Exactly. And then, and then when it, when it fell apart, it was just such a, it was such a letdown. It was like, you know, and, and again, it wasn't the subject. It was just the letdown. So I just decided, you know what, I'm not gonna, I'm not going to expect anything else. I'm not going to have any expectations anymore. You and know, that that goes that goes against the grain, but at least I can't get disappointed. And and yeah. and and then and then on the days on the days that I'm wrong, well, that's a great day. That, you know? <laughs> Set the bar low enough. <laughs> yeah. Then, well, yeah. You, you, you just do it the opposite. You don't yeah. say anything, and then you get somebody. You go, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> And then the rest of the time is the rest of the time is just kind of an, an attitude of your choosing and you're just going to go with it. You know, I, you know what? I'm, I'm laughing because I understand. So I, I know course, exactly yeah, what you mean. You know, you, yeah. Well, the fact that you're laughing tells me that you understand because, you know, uh, humor there, if, if humor doesn't contain an element of truth. It's not funny. Exactly. Things are only funny. They're, they're only funny if they're, if they're true. Yep. You know, if, if, so I think you get it as well. Yeah. And it's fine. It's not, it's not a bad way to live really. It, it's not that bad. No, I've, I've learned um, to do it. Yeah. Oh, well, good. Then we're birds of a feather. Yeah. I'm, I've turned 48 this year and I'd say a lot of those years have, have been in that vein. So <laughs> I got screwed early and uh, never forgot it. So. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. Yeah, you, yeah, I, I, I'll be. I'm heck. I'm a sixty-two. Yeah, you know, and uh, you know, but you know what they say: sixty is the is the new eighty. Yeah. So. That's, uh, <laughs> so. Um, I, you know, it's funny. Right. Mentally, I, I know what you're saying. Men, I mean, mentally, I feel like I'm. I don't know, still in my twenties. I'm, you know, I still laugh at fart jokes, uh, but. Oh yeah. Well, you, you'll always feel like you're 20. I still feel like I'm in many, in many regards. I feel like I'm 22 yeah. also, but I just, um, you know, I blame my kids. That'll never go away. I blame my kids. Yeah. They have just destroyed me. <laughs> <laughs> They're good kids, but well, I've, I've got three. I've got a 16 year old, a 17 year old and an 18 year old. 
Oh and, my god! Yeah, wow. that that took a toll. They're great though. I love them to death. I got my oldest daughter is is uh, going to nursing school. She just she's a senior this year. She's graduating. She wow. already has her uh, CNA certificate. So she's and she's got a uh, just starting a part time job next week in the hospital. So you know she's a lot more put together than I ever was. So. So well, that's that's pretty nice. I, I mean, what, what were right. what was your formidable years when you're in music for you age wise, or when were you like most into it? <laughs> oh, or, or wow. when, you, when, when was it most? For me, I would. It it started. I would say it started around ten to twelve. Uh, I don't remember exactly what year it was because my, I just remember my. Oh, yeah, it was probably about ten or so because. In the same year, my mom had bought Led Zeppelin's Four because she loves Stairway to Heaven, and then she listened to it a couple <laughs> times and got tired of it and gave me <laughs> the LP. And I did before that, like my LP collection consisted of like Alvin and the Chipmunks and a Mickey Mouse album. And so, uh-huh. and then that same year, so you went straight to Zeppelin, right? That's oh yeah, pretty hairy. and yeah, then it's the, like going straight <laughs> to heroin. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then that same year we were out, and so this was probably '84. So it was probably like depending on what part of the year. I was like ten or eleven. She gave me a little bit of money. We went out shopping, and she said, "Go buy a cassette. Go, go get a pick an album out." So I came back, and I'm like, I had two, and I'm like, I don't know which one to get, Mom. Which one should I get? And in one hand was Quiet Riot, Metal Health, and the other was Van Halen, 1984. Oh, and she wow. said, well, I don't like the cover to the Quiet Riot one. So get the, the one with the angel, the cherub smoking a cigarette. That was Why, acceptable. Wise choice. So, yeah. So, so. Uh, your, mother was, your mother was very wise. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, if it was up to my dad, it would have been, you know, some uh, bluegrass band. So, which I love bluegrass. Oh, bluegrass. But, how, how interesting that you should just say that. Oh, really? Because I was, I was, yeah. And I was just kind of thinking about this, you know, this chat we're going to have that we're having today. Yeah. And I was, and I was, and I, and I knew that the question was going to come up about, you know, what was the background? What was the influences? Those, yes. those kind of like, and I was, and, and one thing that usually the people are usually surprised by is that uh, Spencer, which is the guy, the guitar player that, that I wrote most of my songwriting career with, right? Yeah. yeah. He, he, you know, Law of the Order and all that. And his background was bluegrass. Really? Uh, uh, as opposed to, as opposed to like blues, most of the guitarists that were in this genre of music were, mm-hmm. you know, blues, blues guitars, you know, everybody was doing blues. Yeah. And he had a, he had a background in, in bluegrass wow. and, and people are always really surprised by that. But I think because of it, we had a we had a kind of a different sound because of it. I mean, you can't you can't escape those influences oh, in, no. in your life, you know. Not at all. And uh, so it's funny that 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 word came up. I, I just I, <laughs> it, it came up probably about no kidding, maybe five minutes before we started talking. I just I just went, oh yeah, it was just a bluegrass thing, and, I, wow. and, I, and all of a sudden you're saying it. So isn't that isn't that something? That's crazy. You and know I, what? I love there, bluegrass it too. It is crazy. Yeah, it's it's interesting, but it, it is a coincidence at the same time. But of course, I don't really believe in coincidences. So there's something about that. Yeah, I don't know why that happened? But well, but, I, um, I don't. One of the things I was going to to tell you, when, I always thought Spencer was truly one of the uh, most 
underappreciated guitarists ever. I, I love oh, his yeah. sound. Uh, his playing is flawless. And I just if speak to him. Just let him know there's at least one guy who absolutely loves everything he's done. The, the Shark Island, the River Dogs, all the, it's just great stuff. Right. Yeah, he's um he's a very um extraordinary um guitar player and and an extraordinary man. He uh you know we we spent you know our formidable years together and uh and it was very tumultuous you know in in our lives and uh you know it was a it was a I feel very honored to have been able to play with him and I you know and I was really fortunate to play and have associates with a lot of really great guitars. And in my mind, he was, you know, probably the best. I mean, but I guess similar in the same way, you know, your, your, your first love is always the one you always kind of compare everything else to. So yep. I, I suppose there's an element to that there <laughs> as well, but you know, all right. So we know great. a little bit how Spencer got you know, his background in music. What's, what is yours? What got you into music in the first place? I have an older sister. She's about four, maybe four years older, five years older than me. And she was really kind of a, she was like a stone hippie, right? So she had a really uh, pretty hot album collection. Yeah. So it was, it was great. Yeah. And she had, you know, everything that was, you know, all the, all the must have albums, you know, everything from obviously the Beatles and cream and Rolling Stones and, and everything that was just Joni Mitchell and the doors. And, you know, I, I don't need to go on recite it. I think right. you got the idea. So, yeah. so I had, you know, access to a lot of these things and, and, you know, she would, you know, go to school and I was, I'd be home and, you know, I'd kind of have some solitude and I would just start to play these things. And I was just, I'd really get into it. And I, and, um, you know, and I was really into just deep listening. I would take, I would take a song and if I liked it, I would play it again and again and again and again and again, just wear it out, you know, until I just learned every little nuance in it. And, and it was, I found it very intriguing to hear new, new things that I haven't heard on the first 20 listens, you know, And, (laughs) and, you know, and, um, so I had that kind of, access you know i was exposed to it like that as far as the playing goes i you know once you know your your mind is a you know the mind is a terrible thing you know it's like everything (laughs) it's like a computer it goes in and then it comes out again somehow and i thought well okay i would write some things and i was I, i found my i found i was very interested in in uh lyrics in general and she being a being a hippie there was always you know poetry books and yeah there was a lot of reading there was a lot of reading in my house and there was you know a lot of books we had a you know we had a room that was that we called the library it was a it was a desert it was like a study i guess oh wow it had a desk in it and it had two walls full of books from floor to ceiling and just they were everything everything just all kinds of books you know you know, That's from awesome. the classics to, to, to really racy things, you know, to, wow. to dark, dark philosophy, you know, to, That's wild. You, know, to you know, to Nietzsche and, and Freud and Jung and, and all these ones I can't remember from philosophers from, 
from Scandinavia and all, just all kinds of weird, weird stuff. And, oh, wow. And, uh, and so there was just a lot of books. There was a lot of, you know, written stuff around poetry. We had all these, we had like three sets of separate encyclopedias, even if you remember what those are. We yep. <laughs> huge, huge sets of them. And we had, you know, the junior version, which had a lot of drawings and pictures in it. Yeah. And, yeah. and then the more adult stuff, you know, that was like, that was like the Google of the time, you know, if yeah, you need to exactly. look something up. Oh yeah. So, so we had, so we had all that. And then, and then I, you know, I didn't, you know, it took, you know, the, the obligatory guitar lessons and, yeah. you know, and violin lessons and, oh, wow, and, really? and, 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 and piano lessons, you know, that kind of stuff. And none of them, I really, I found them pretty, pretty difficult. It was like difficult to really, I wasn't, I wasn't good enough at it or at any of them to, to really latch on to it. I, but I did have a, I, I had a knack for writing stories and I, I've kept journals for years. I got stacks and stacks of journals. Oh my gosh. That I just kept from, I can't even remember back when. And, uh, for my, my whole life is in the journals. I still have them. I still, you know, every time I move, I haul them around and oh, wow. boxes. It's all marked, you know, you know, journals from 1978 to 19 <laughs> to 18 to 1982. And then from 82 to 89, oh you know, gosh. yeah, lots and lots of stuff written, wow. written, written, tons of stuff. And, um, so when I got to high school, I went to, uh, I went to a private high school and um, it was an all-boys school. Actually. Oh boy! No and, pun intended. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, at the time, I was, I was, you know, I was kind of bitter about everybody's, you know, that was, you know, high school is like the coming of age, you know, oh, yeah. and, and I'm just like, but thinking back on it, and 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 didn't take till now to realize it, but I realized shortly thereafter that it was actually kind of a great thing because I could, I didn't have to be really address that whole you know that whole hormone stuff you know what i mean yeah. it was just i didn't have to you, know, you could wear you know your the same pants you wore yesterday you know it doesn't yeah. matter you know <laughs> what i mean uniforms you know yeah well we didn't have uniforms but you could you know you didn't have to you know whatever so and uh we had this one uh it was kind of educationally progressive my father was really against public schools as i am really right now but that's another story altogether yeah, yeah. but yeah, but um, but we had um, the school had this um, program that that at, at winter break started like December fifteenth, and you did not go back to school till February first. Oh wow! So you had like a month. So you had like a month and a half off Damn. right in the middle of the year. But there was a caveat to it. It was a big but. You couldn't just you know you know do whatever. You had to you had to create a project that took one month to do. Oh, wow. And it, it could be anything from getting a job as a, like as an intern in, in a field of your choice, okay. you know, and then at the end of that, you write a report on it, on your whole experience. Oh, wow. Okay. So that was that. So that, that kind of played into your, your final grade and stuff. Well, the first year, I mean, the, at, at first I didn't know what to do, you know, so I ended up being like a, uh, I was a, 
I was a, a teacher's aide at a Montessori school, which is like a like a first grade. I didn't even know what the hell I was doing, but I had to do something because I, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I mean, if you didn't have anything, you had to go. You had to report to school to the class every day, and oh. you know, you in the library or do you know something that they told you. But if you had something set up, so anyway, I'm, I'm getting too going too much into a rabbit hole. But <laughs> the one year that really changed is I decided, I said, well, you know what I'm going to do this year? I'm going to make, I'm going to make, do a, I'm going to make a band. Oh, wow. So I, so I got uh, three other guys into the idea. Okay. And, uh, and we formed a band and we, you know, we, we, we pro play, you know, learned to play a couple songs, you know, drums, bass, guitar. And, yeah. and, uh, and then we tried to, you know, write something even. And, uh, we practiced every day during this, <laughs> oh, during cool. this whole month, this whole month. Yeah, it was, it was very cool when you think about it. I mean, yeah, that's a great you project. Imagine how great it would be. It was great. It would be great today. I mean, I mean yeah, there's so many, there's so many, I hate using the word youngsters, but you know, with youngsters, <laughs> they'd have no idea. They have no idea what to do. You know, they have they don't even know how to they don't have know how to do anything. They, they can't even put a light bulb in as oh, far no. as I can tell. You know, they can't do anything. Yep. And uh well anyway, so I did that and uh and then at the end uh, the final day one of the teachers that you actually signed up with, you know, to give your um you know, your project to, they would come and observe on like the last week or the last couple of days. Okay. Just to just to just to see what have you done. And that that's right before your report that you have to write. And that's it. We and, and I got and I did it and I said, This is awesome. And I realized how powerful it was because it was like it was like going to a party and then getting graded for it. You know, yeah. it was just it was nothing. And I, go, I said, God, these they bought it. You know, that these guys, the you know, the, the teacher bought it, you know. <laughs> they bought it. Look at I'm here, we're playing, you know, rock and roll with and, and making noise, we and you know, making literally making noise, and yeah. we got away with it. You know, we got an A on it. Yeah. It like, yeah. <laughs> so, so that kind of that kind of got me really into it. You know, I thought I thought this is really neat. And, I, and then soon thereafter, I realized how much kind of power there was in it. There's because there is kind of a power in it, and, and 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 I'm not I'm not trying to say that that's the only reason I did, but I mean, it was largely. So if you go back to that whole hormone thing, you know, it had power over women as well. So you can be, you were in a band and, and, or you were, or you were a skateboarder. I think again, the band is like much hotter commodity. And all of a sudden, you know, the girls were a lot more interested in that. They're like, wow, really? Yeah. Oh my God. Really? (laughs) Wow. Look at that. And they could just hang out and just listen. And you're just going, gosh and yeah. all of a sudden yeah. and to yourself you're always going oh my god they're buying it yeah you know <laughs> the teachers the girls everybody yeah, the teachers are they're, they're buying it look at this and uh and you know and and that kind of got me into it next thing i know we're just we know we threw you know a, a party you know and we used to you know would learn a bunch of songs you know yeah deep purple and david bowie and Rolling Stones, you know, learn yeah, a bunch yeah. of cover songs, and and then you, and then you'd you'd find somebody with a yard, you know, and you 
preferably if the parents were gone for the weekend and you <laughs> advertise the big the big backyard party and you charge you charge to get in you know and oh, it's yeah. just and all of a sudden <laughs> and all of a sudden you play and you buy and you get yourself a you know a keg of beer and then all of a sudden at the end of the day after you've had a great time you know you got a heap of money literally a heap of money yeah you know, it looks like they look you feel like gosh you know um, like being a stripper why doesn't everybody you know? do this and, yeah, why does everybody do this? You know, I mean, no, and and nobody did, and yeah. I just went, "This is great," and it got and it got more and it got more and more intense, and it got bigger and bigger and bigger, and and the area that I I um <clears throat> did all this in was in like Pasadena area, it's in okay. Southern California, and um it, it was the same. And there was other people doing it too. One of the one of the big people that were doing it was a uh, Van Halen. You yeah. mentioned Van Halen earlier. Yeah. They were playing these. They were they probably not only backyards. They were playing, you know, women's club halls and the um, and the and the uh, high uh, schools, veterans, veterans of foreign war. Yeah, yeah, yeah. veterans of foreign war. High school. They play. They actually played in my high school dance. I, I here's the thing. I don't know if you, if yeah, you probably saw this. There's a uh, uh, I think it's almost like a soundboard quality copy of them playing Pasadena High School. That, that's been. Uh, circulating over the past oh, okay. year or so. Uh, I haven't seen it, but um, it know, might be I, one I of those seen, shows. I, I I have seen Van Halen. Uh, I'm sure 200 times, maybe 300 times. Wow. You know, I've seen them everywhere, all the time, in the weirdest places. And, <laughs> you know, at, at at the park, up on top of the reservoir, at a high school, <laughs> in a in a bar, in a laundromat, you know, whatever, you know, wow. you know we, we play everywhere. I mean, just, you know, the laundromat tour, you know, so yeah. we could, we were playing everywhere. Just, that's what you did. But, but, you know, we didn't have a, you know, there was people that, you know, did wanted to do certain things in their lives and they would always have a day job, you know, and, yeah. you know, they'd flip burgers and then they'd go do that. But we didn't do that. We, we just played, we, we played and it wasn't long after we were, you know, we had it, we had it figured out that we could actually, you know, in, you know, we, we said, okay, we're going to play six days a week. You know, we'll play wow. four shows and four shows a night, six days a week. Um, Mondays we'll, we'll play in, um, San Gabriel Tuesdays. We'll play in, in Pasadena proper Wednesdays. We'll play in temple city Thursdays. We'll play in Huntington beach, you know, and Friday and Saturday we played in Hollywood at Gazzari's. Jeez. We played there for two and a half years, every so, Friday and Saturday night. So this every Friday and Saturday night. This, from, Think about that. <laughs> from high school to playing Gazaris, that was all sharks. Was that, uh, was that the, basically yeah, the same yeah, band? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, basically. It's basically the same band. The biggest difference between Sharks and Shark Island was the Sharks was largely a cover band. Okay. We we would do other material, and then we played when we played Shark when we played Shark Island. We played mostly originals, with uh-huh. a couple with a couple with a couple special um, cover songs that you know, that we really liked. Yeah. Because you know when you do it when you're a rock band and you do a a cover song, you, you're not gonna if you're gonna do if you're gonna do uh, you drop the bomb on me by the Gap Band. You know you don't <laughs> want it to sound like you certainly don't want it to sound like them. Right. You got to exactly. make it. You got to make it sound like you wrote it. You know? Exactly. You know, if you're gonna do, or if you're gonna do Fleetwood Mac, it's got to. That's why I, you know I used to joke. Yeah, here's a song we wrote by Fleetwood Mac. You know, but <laughs> but you you make you kind of make it your own. You know, you kind of make it your own. And some of the songs really 
took to that. You know, they were mm. very, very good. You know, we had like on Law of the Order, we had a version of Fleetwood Mac the Chain. We actually yes. put it on our album. version it's i like, love it's it powerful it's 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 like crazy crazy i mean and you know and we didn't learn that just to put it on the album no we knew that was in our repertoire we knew how to do that we knew how to rock it wow we knew all those little trick parts we knew how to end it we knew how to you know really really command it we'll be right back after a word from our sponsors So um, that's the biggest difference. And so I think when we, you know, when we got, I think, to to Gazzari's, you know, after the third time we went to Shark Island and we were kind of doing our originals. Yeah. Why? Because we're, well, the way we looked at it, it's okay, we're in the music capital of the world at the time. Mm-hmm. And if, if we want to, if we have any expectations to do this as a, as a career, you know, or, uh, you know, that we need to be doing our original material because that's what we're not going to make an album full of covers. So we have to lean, but that was a small, that was a short period of time. You know, we, we had a, we were sharks for, you know, probably 79, probably three years, maybe four years at the tops. Right. And then uh, three, three and a half years. Then we switched to, to shark Island and we started, you know, really doing a lot of our own, our own material. Well, you, you guys and then the, self-released a full length album as sharks, which, you know, it's, that's right. That's a lot. That's right. That's a lot different from releasing an album now. Cause now you've got band camp and crowdfunding. And all that. You guys didn't have that back in 82. Did you guys oh, yeah. wouldn't have anything? Yeah. How, how was that? How did you guys do that? What was that experience like? Well, we had, I, I had this, the way I, approached it at the time the whole the whole music thing is i realized that there was not only were there people you know that were keen on becoming let's say famous guitar players bass players drummers blah 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 and being in a band right right but not only that but there was always people that that wanted to be they wanted to make a career of being roadies to being a light person you know for yeah. for light effects yep. uh someone wanted to do soundboard mixing someone there was and there were there were there were all these people that wanted there was people that wanted to be music managers they wanted to manage a rock band they yeah. wanted to be there was a, there was other people that wanted to be producers so there were all kinds of people that was that wanted to be involved in the music business so all you needed to do is just you just had to you know, find out who they are and then explain to them, look, this is probably your best chance of doing it because you could learn your whole craft here. And at the same time, we get a benefit, you get a benefit, we all benefit. I mean, because let's say if you wanted to be a sound engineer, right, you would either have to get a job at a gig and then, 
you know, and then that there's not much sound engineering to do if you're at the same gig every single day. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's not much to do. And the board just sits there and gets spider webs on it. And you, you know, you change a couple little things here and there, but if you're right. setting up and tearing down, it's all new. So there was, there was a guy that wanted to be, he wanted to be a manager, you know, and we met him and, you know, he was a, you know, he was kind of a, slick guy you know and he you know he knew what he wanted and his his motivation and his drive was just as intense as ours but just in a completely different field right so yeah. we would be able we would be able to help each other out that's how we did it so we had then there was a recording studio that was just starting out and they were they were trying to get some clients in and and you know and get some you know they were you know they were okay at what they were doing they were doing a church music and, okay. and, and, and talks and just weird, obscure things, but they didn't, they haven't really done a, a rock band, okay. you know, you know, or anything else. So now here's their chance to do, to record a rock band that, you know, we knew, we knew the parts, yeah. you know? <laughs> we, we could start and stop and, you know, we can do it again. <laughs> we, you know, it, it's, it sounds almost the same every time, you know? So, yeah. <laughs> and so next, so, and, and, you know, and everybody at the time, it was, it was, you know, to get a, to get an album, to, to make a vinyl at that time was a very, that was a very special thing. I don't know if there's, I don't know if there's an equivalent today about something that is so special or it's just my jadedness speaking, but I mean, I don't know what it was. Oh, wow. We're, we're got a, we're on Spotify and we got 20,000 downloads. I mean, it's like, yeah, wah, 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 wah. It's yeah. Like it's, there's nothing to it. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's, <laughs> there's nothing. You can't touch any of that stuff. You can't. Exactly. Uh, that's exactly. That's, there's, yeah, yeah, there's nothing like there. It's it. There's nothing. There's not even, there's actually, it's questionable how much truth there is there. I yeah. mean, you don't really know. You don't really know. I mean, look, look at the, for instance, look at, um, uh, you, let's look at YouTube for, to take an example. Okay. I hate to pick out one particular thing, but this is very, very common. So if you look on YouTube and you look, you know, you see something you like, you don't care what it is. Let's, let's say it's how to fix a flat tire on your motorcycle, you know, whatever, okay. you know, and you can see how many views there are. You can see how many people actually watch this. Right. You know, you could, there's, there's a tally on there. Yes. Well, th those tallies are for sale for heaven's sake. Yes. People don't realize that people don't realize what those tallies are. You can buy, if you got the budget, you can buy a hundred thousand. Yeah. You can't buy them all in one chunk, but you could buy a hundred thousand. If you had enough money, you can buy a million. Yep. Yeah. You know? And it's same so, with all so the other social is, media stuff. Exactly. So it doesn't really mean anything. It's, it's like, like right now, the Nobel Prize doesn't mean anything anymore. Oh, yeah, you know, no if, kidding. You know, if, if certain people can get them for doing nothing, then it, 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 it's worthless. Yeah. And if you get uh, a trophy for coming in second, third place, or coming in last, it doesn't mean anything. First doesn't mean anything anymore. No. Nothing means anything. Exactly. Exactly. So, well, yeah. what I, the thing so, that I really yeah. liked about the, that album was... Uh, alter ego in case anybody's uh, keeping a, keeping track here in certain songs i can kind of hear the beginnings of the shark island sound particularly in the song whirlpool
to me yeah, sounded yeah, like it could have right. been done around the same time as Law of the Order. Y- yeah. Yes, it could have been. And, you know, and if it was recorded by us when we had even more experience, it may even sound more, you know. Yeah. We, you know, by the time we were doing Law of the Order, don't forget, we had been playing for, at that point, eight years. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, because it been 79 was about when you started, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. So think about it. You know, you're doing four shows a night. Yeah. <laughs> And you're playing five, six nights a week. Jeez. I mean, literally, you were there. We were on stage constantly. I had shoes that I wore only on stage. Oh, really? They were like, they were kind of, they, yeah, they were like dance shoes. They weren't like, I, wouldn't, I wasn't wearing cowboy boots on there, but I was like, because I was doing, I was quite active. Yeah. And I, and I used to be, I used to be a, a, a trained dancer too. So I was just doing, had a, I did a lot of stuff from, oh, really? you know, I used to go to dance class and yeah, and do. What kind of dance? Yeah, I, I was modern dance, <laughs> modern wow. dance and, and bow and, and some ballet, which is kind of in there and you can't, it's unescapable, but, um, yeah, it, it's kind of, it's kind of wacky and, you know, it kind of raises an eyebrow, but, uh, there's some really nice nice women there <laughs> and, they were, and you know and, and i liked it i, I liked the movement i liked the yeah. music i liked i just liked that it was a it was a very nice you know expression um i wasn't that much into into sports i didn't like sports very much because okay. i i just i wasn't i mean I, I i and i don't mean i mean team sports mostly i don't really care for i like oh. i don't mind tennis you know golf track and field you know, I like those things, you know, things that are just like, there's a person here and he's doing something, you know, and he's trying to be extraordinary while doing it. You know, it's not like a team people that have to rely on someone else. They can let you down. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) They can let you down. They they disappoint. Exactly. They're inherently evil. (laughs) So, um, so anyway, I was um, so um, back to the time on stage. I guess that's what this is all pointing to is yeah. that I so I'm wearing I have a pair of shoes and that they, they were kind of dance shoes and I wore them only on stage, oh, and wow. I I would wear them out. I was wearing them out. Jeez. I'd have to buy a new pair probably every maybe every year year and a half. It's just a brand new pair, and they were like they weren't cheap. They were expensive, but. They were, but that just gives you an idea of how many miles I walked on stage or how many times yeah. I moved on stage. So it was a lot of time. It was very, very comfortable. You know, look at your program, you know, anxiety, um, what is it? Performance you know, anxiety. anxiety. Performance anxiety. And I'm thinking about it, I go, well, that's nothing. That's something that I really can't relate to because <laughs> I don't have any, I don't have any, I have zero performance anxiety. As a matter of fact, I have more anxiety off stage than I do on stage. Oh, wow. Well, and, and the re- there's a reason for that. And if you look, it's a logical reason is that if you, if you even examine your own life and you re- and you think about when, what are the times when I'm most, when I have most anxiety and that is when you're not sure what's going to happen or right. how something's going to turn out either because you're not prepared or you're not prepared enough or you're not, don't know, you just don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, you're not in control. For a number of reasons. Yeah, you're not in control. But if you know exactly what's going, what's going to happen, and and it's just because it's it's rote, and you've been yeah. doing it for so long, and you pretty much know, and you even know to a point that you can, you already have, I, I we had built-in 
mechanisms for mistakes. Oh, really? You know, if the if if the guitar player, let's say the guitar broke a string or the amp went out or something happened, it was a catastrophe and there's no guitar. Right. Well, we already have something worked out that we can go into and pretty much fill five, ten minutes if we need to with something else and nobody would even know. Oh, wow. And the same, and, and the same goes for the drum. Let's say the drum broke a snare, you know, and, and, and if we don't have a spare handy right there, then we need to, you know, he has to put a new head on, you know? Yeah. So we need to have something we can do with no drums. Wow. And we need to be able to fill five minutes of time. We're not going to sit there and look at each other and go, right. Whoa, what are we going to do? Yeah. So, so, how's the weather? so I even had the, the mistakes and the problems worked out. So I had no, no concerns about wow. anything, you know? And it, and it always happens. It's just, it's always something's going to happen. You play that much, that many hours, you just got, everything has happened with us. Everything. So one of my really f a funny story with uh, something horrible happening. We were in, I guess it was it was in a I guess in '89 we were we were recording a live um, Westwood One recording live show from the Whiskey A Go Go. Yes, and it was going out to a million and a half people simulcast. Oh wow, simulcast, and it was getting recorded on a multi track in a big truck outside the club. Okay, you know, big you know thousands of wires running outside. The, the door into a truck, into a big recording, mobile recording unit, big thing. The sound check, it took like nine hours oh, to do a sound check. Yeah, it took the entire freaking day. They're the entire day. Wow. You know, just, just everything. Because you, you had a sound for the club, and then you had a sound for the um, recording truck, right? Okay. So you had to have a good recording on. So anyway, we got... You know, I got everything down, and 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 that was the closest when it was. I was a little bit, a little bit anxiety because there was so many moving parts. I was going, gosh, I didn't right. really train for any of this, and, yeah. and you know, I don't, I don't have any reason to think I'm going to screw up personally. But there's just so many moving parts, right? Right. Yeah. So, so we, so anyway, the showtime finally starts, and and uh, we did our our opener, right? And we did a song that's called uh, "Make a Move." As a matter of fact, it happens that the first time it was that song was ever recorded on a studio recording was on uh, on this last one on on Bloodline. That happens to be first time. So anyway, this this live this live album was called Bastille Day, Alive at the Whiskey. Yes. And um so here we go. We start the song and the song starts and we're just going, wow. And I'm going, man, this is awesome. This is thick. Man, this is great. It was <laughs> it was picture perfect. We sounded like we sounded like metal gods just like, oh my God. <laughs> Every everything I've been doing up till this point has accumulated to this moment. Here we are. Yeah. You know, the place is packed. It's jumping. You can feel the energy. And uh, here comes the part. And I'm okay, here we, we're, we're going to ready for the opening vocal part. And uh, the mic's not working. Oh, no. And I'm going, fuck. You know, and everybody's looking, everybody's looking, and we're rolling, we're going. It's just like really great. So, uh, again, in our normal thing that we, we know that when things go wrong, we know what to do. So, I, I just had to take a glance at Spencer, and he goes, and he knew exactly what I was saying. And that is, okay, we're going to loop this part here. My mic's not working. Yeah. Wow. So, it's not like we could go, we, it's not like we could stop and fix it 
and start again. Right. Yeah. No, this had this had to be fixed. This had to happen right now. So you know the crew, the crew was on the side. You know they were on squatting on the side. You know and and they they figured it out. And the one guy got on. You know got on the case. So we ended up having to um, extend it for about. Good lord, it was you know, 20 seconds, 30 seconds, which is an enormous amount of time, you know, to, to do. So I, okay. you know, I, I filled it with like a little bit more, you know, just some fluff to get people going thinking, yeah. okay, I'm going to, I'm going to do something here and, and I'm going to give these people in the sound department a chance to figure this out, you know, and I'm going to, I'm going to go do, you know, the, the soft shoe over here. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> uh, so, so I get, I get back to the part and no one knows anything. The crowd has no idea. Wow. This is all looks like it's just seamless. And all of a sudden I went too, and I was, okay, we got juice. That's, and if you have that, if you heard that album, you can actually hear me say that. We got juice. Yeah. Yeah. We got yep. juice. And then we went boom. And that's why that happened. what that was wow okay oh that's awesome and then and then from that moment on it went without a hitch and it was like the album arguably was in some ways better than uh, the studio recording of law of the order so that, that and i want to ask you a question keep going but I, I, I do have a question for you about a couple of things but finish that up because this is really. Well, I, cool. wa- I wonder i wonder if this will even answer it but um we were with epic at the time and and i and i knew that there was you know we already at this point we already had there was a lot of bands being signed and we had got you know we hadn't got signed yet right but we did now we were signed at that point we were on epic yes and but i but it, but it's still at the same time we haven't released our album yet at that point so law of the order wasn't out yet right 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 so we re- recorded this, and it was my intention. My intention was to have a debut album for a band live. That is the question I was going to ask. You know? Yeah, yeah, I thought it was, <laughs> and that was my that that was my intention. That's why I wanted to do. It. I said, "Now that is different. That is unique. That yes. is just bold. That's that- bold. That just speaks speaks tons right there. Volumes. Yes, exactly. And ballsy too. Ballsy, and 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 they're just like they looked at me like I was just like an alien from outer <laughs> space. Like I just like. Like I just came in, you know, hanging on ropes. Like, what right. the hell, you? What? What's wrong what? with you? It's a debut album. Nobody knows because the carry go. I go. It doesn't matter. I go. Listen to this. Listen to this. This is awesome. Yeah, and it is. <laughs> there's nothing. There's nothing wrong with this. This is. This is. The, this is what's going to make us. This will. This is going to change us. This is. This will put us in a different thing. We can put. We can put Law of the Order out afterwards. 
studio if you want. But <laughs> but you know that's where that's what happens in the music business. You know, you have the music business. The music is a small word. The business is a huge word. Right. And when there's dollars and cents and then there's people, when there's people calling the shots and there's people, you know, uh, you know, they're, they're investing and, and they're afraid, they're afraid of making a decision because if they make the wrong decisions, they, they lose their job. You're only as good as your last project. And the A&R people, for instance, the A&R people was, it was a very, very small community in LA. I would say, I don't know, 12, 15 people. Wow. And that's, that's distributed of all the majors. That would be on Atlantic, Epic, and A&M, you know, Warner Brothers. They were all, they were just, they, everybody knew everybody. It was just like a little click in high school. It was like the, the football team click. You oh, know, wow. I, I mentioned that to you last time we spoke. It's what yeah, it was yeah. like. Everybody, and everybody was, everybody was, you know, everybody's peeking over the other, well, what do you think? You know, right. What do you think? Yeah. What do you, and they're afraid. They're afraid to even commit and go, yes. Yeah. Screw you. You know what I mean? I mean, and those are the ones, those are the, those were the real, the real movers and shakers are the ones that made the huge decisions. Yeah. And they, you know, the uh, ballsy yeah. decisions, you know, I mean, the more risky your decision and that this is true in life, the big, the more risk your decision carries the more potential there is for just greatness. That's what it is. Oh, I mean, absolutely. the more, you, you know, the bigger the risk, you know, the bigger the reward. And so you, you could, yeah, the bigger the reward and you can't, you, you couldn't get certain people to do something. They were just, they were fixated on their, their parts. I mean, I knew, I knew people that were working as interns to A&R people who worked for free, like 10 oh. hours a day, five God. days a week for nothing. For years. Oh my God. Why is that you ask? Why would anybody do something so stupid? Well, they obviously they came from a family that can afford it, and that was the equivalent of going to school or, or university, I guess, you know, but you're not making anything, but you still gotta do all the work, you know? Yeah. And um, but but you you kind of wonder why would somebody do that? Well, the the reason is is that that so many people want to do that. Look at the bands. Um at the time. There was there was a time I remember reading in you know Hollywood Reporter somewhere at the time that during this time period this was late 80s early early 90s there was 10,000 bands in the greater LA area. Whoa. 10,000. Oh. Yeah, whoa. Jeez. Whoa. Right. So now I mean okay in fairness some of them were doing you know you know, mariachi bands and, and, but at, at weddings, you know what I mean? <laughs> right. You know, but I'm sure they had a, an original repertoire as well. Yeah. But they they all wanted to be professional musicians, all of them, you know? So you look at that and then you look at how many, how many openings are there? How many slots are there available? So in this, in this genre, maybe one a year, maybe two Wow. a year. So if, if you were one of those 10,000 bands and you didn't make the first three drafts, four drafts, you're pretty much getting old. Yeah. You oh know, gosh, and, and yeah. it's pretty much hard to hold a band, hard, hard to hold a band together at that time. And I was feeling it too. You know, at this point I was, you know, I was getting, I thought, you know, I was probably 32 or something. <laughs> I mean, I was, I, I was starting to go, I'm getting old, man. Yeah. You know, Jim Morrison, Jim Morrison died when he was 28, you know, yeah. and Janis Joplin did too. And so did Bon Scott, you know, yeah. 28, you know, so I'm already, 
So I've already gone beyond my my life expectancy. Yeah, <laughs> and I started. So I started worry. Even then, it was uh, in thinking back, it was completely absurd. You know, because I'm still doing this nonsense. Yeah, you know, from time to time. <laughs> but but that's what. So it, same thing with the A&R people. They have these things they want to do. They want to be the next big you know record exec that was responsible for signing the. The band that sold 20 million records. Right. Oh, right. yeah, of course. Oh, there you go. So so um, how did you guys choose to change the name from, from Sharks to Shark Island? Was there anything specific behind adding the island to the name? Nothing. I've been asked that a lot, a lot of times. I mean, I was responsible for it. But at the time, I, I I wanted to kind of, you know, we were doing cover songs, so I wanted to have a little bit of punctuation, and I wanted to make it kind of bigger. And I, and and our our following already at that point, and that's and following is beyond even the technical side. We already had all our sound guys, and we had crews. I mean, bands didn't even have crews. We were unsigned, and we had crews, you know, Jeez. moving our crap around. You know, <laughs> I didn't, we have the, you know that kind of thing. Right. So, wow. um, so I, I, I kind of looked at it and said, and I, and I went, I remember we, there's a little Island off of LA called, uh, called, uh, Catalina Island. And I remember going there and, and this wasn't the only place that this phenomenon occurred, but I always noticed that people on these little coastal towns and these little Island towns, they were always very much like, a they were a click also. They were a little sure. like a, they, yeah. they were the locals. They were the locals. And if you go there and especially here on, on the West Coast, I mean, you could at the time you weren't you weren't allowed to go surfing in certain areas if you weren't the local. You oh, know, really? You know, wow. you know, yeah. I mean, you I mean, I mean, they wouldn't call the cops on you, but, you know, you know, very quickly if you're out there waiting in in the water that you're not welcome and they're wondering who the fuck you're doing and they'll you know they'll test you and you know and this kind of stuff so i i kind of liked that thing that island kind of vibe you know these people that were like a vibe and i said well we we like we can be like shark island like shark island we're like we're like we're like a crew yeah we got like a crew (laughs) here and and even till that even till this day we have we're kind of the we're kind of the underdogs really in, in in a lot of ways but we have a very very strong cult following very strong People that like the band really like us. Oh yeah, you know, really very much. And there's a and you know that doesn't uh, necessarily reflect in you know multi-million record sales. But we did pretty good. You know, it did pretty good for yourself. You don't have to. You know, you don't have to make five million dollars a year to be successful. I mean, you could be yeah. successful if you make any if you make anything over you know sixty grand a year. You know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like okay, I mean. <laughs> I'm either going to go work for the water company for 50 grand or I'm going to be in a rock band for 60. I'll take the latter. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's like, <laughs> so there's different, there's different degrees of success. And while I always had, you know, big glorious plans of just humongous things, <laughs> it, it, it didn't ha- it didn't happen exactly like that. I mean, there was, I had, I had moments but I don't think I had the mentality of that to be able to sustain it. I mean, I had enough, I had enough at some point that I could have bought, I could have bought a house for cash. Oh, right? wow. Nice. But, but it's just, but if you, but if you don't have the mentality, it's like, you know, it doesn't work. Cause if my friend goes, Oh man, my car broke down. Okay. Here's a car. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. I my girlfriend, I bought her a car for 
for Christmas. You oh, know, I bought wow. a Corvette for Christmas. You know, just Ooh. the stupid stuff. I'm not trying to brag. I'm trying to be stupid. But <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to show how stupid I was. Yeah. It reminds me of there was this. You know, that remember the Simpsons? That remember the Simpsons oh, that yeah. cartoon? Yeah. There was this one episode. This was, this illustrates it exactly right. There's <laughs> this one guy, one character on it. Whether I don't forget what his name was. One of some older guy, and he won the lottery. On the show, you know, okay. and he's like, oh, man, I got this. Big he goes, oh, my God, what are you going to do? I'm going to buy a solid gold house. And he goes, yeah, <laughs> solid gold house. And he's like, yeah. So, that, so the next scene, they're driving down, and they see this guy in front of this house, and he's sitting in a lawn chair in front of his house. And he's like, wow, you like your house. Why aren't, why aren't you inside? Why aren't you doing inside? Well, I can't go inside. It's a solid gold house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty much it. It's like complete stupidity. Complete. I mean, I know people that are. I, I you know, I've hung around with people that have a lot of money, and you know, they're like, "Let's go to Del Taco. They're having a taco special, like three tacos for a dollar." It's like, man, you can buy and sell this place. What the fuck's your problem? You know. But there's a mentality there. Yeah. There's a mentality to sustain that, and that just. It's just not me. It's just I don't I don't have that mentality. I think yes. I, if I have if I have something, you know, and a friend of mine was was in need, you know, I've had people sleeping in my couches many a times, you know, yeah. and people, hey, it's, you know, that's just how I am because yeah. that's that's kind of how I would like to be treated. So I guess it's exactly. it, it's also a little bit selfish, but it's like how I would have treated. But if I'm not, if I don't get offered a couch, then I would be disappointed. Yeah. And then <laughs> and then that goes. <laughs> so all right. I've got a I've got some more questions about Law of the Order here. All right. When you were recording that, you now, the songs that ended up on Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure and Point Break, that was all was that recorded all at the same time as Law of the Order? No, no, not okay. at all. Um, it was uh, those were recorded while we were. I had a I had a development deal with A and M Records. Okay, and and I'm, I loved A and M Records. I mean, I'm not saying it to try to sound like I'm dropping names and all, but A and M Records was truly the boutique record company in Los Angeles. Okay, it was like completely driven by and existed for the musical artist. I mean, that's what it was for. Even oh. they had like a little campus. They, were, they had a campus they bought. They bought the old Charlie Chaplin movie lot. Oh, wow. That was their, that was their, that was their office. So you had to go through these gates. It was like a mini Disneyland in the middle of Hollywood. Wow. And you go through the, you had to go through these special gates, you know, with a guard and you get in and, and you're inside and you have all these little bungalows and these little, Tudor style buildings. You feel like you're in, you feel like you're in Disneyland almost inside. It's like, wow, they got a big old sound stage. They got a recording studio. Then they have the, the, uh, you know, the administration is, is on site. Everybody's there, you know? Yeah. So I was, I had a, what they call a development deal. In other words, they was like, they, yeah, we're interested, but, uh, we're going to hear, we want to throw you a couple curveballs and see how you react. Oh, nice. You know, it was like that, you know, okay. for it was a couple of years. When it wasn't a couple of years, it seems like it was, but it was close to it. And uh, and I and they had sent me around. They had sent me around, you know, back east to write with this person, and go to London, to write with that person, oh, and wow. then go to Minneapolis and write with this person. And oh, this guy's really good. He wrote with this band, and go and you know, at that point, it was already beginning 
to um, kind of becoming uh, like a formula. The whole thing was, it, it was industry-wide. It wasn't just because of A&M, but it was industry-wide. It was a formula. And that formula yeah. um, really kind of exists to this day, but it's even gotten more perverted to this day. But at the time, it was like, you know, the big, huge writers like, you know, Diane Warren was just starting to okay, go yeah. in. And, 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 and Diane Rowan, Warren wrote, like, songs for everybody. Yeah, yeah. And some of the songs, some of the songs... I'm not supposed to say, but it's, some of the songs I imagine were sold out outright and then a different name put on it, right? Uh, so everybody okay. else, you know, could, could seem like they're such brilliant writers. And she right. was a really good writer, and, and she was a very good writer, and she's very, very prolific and very oh, yeah. successful and, you know, a little small, a schmaltzy for my taste. But right. th there was a lot of other writers, too. There was other writers that uh, that were maybe not as quite as popular as her. Or this. I mean, anyway, so we're writing with all these people, and that's when— um, those songs came to be okay. from from that period of time, and A uh, and M Record had just bought uh, De Laurentiis um, film, and um, one of the movies they bought was uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, and they gave me the uh, they gave me the rough rough cut of the movie, you okay. know, with no no color correction, no sound, you know, oh, wow. you know just nothing, and it was and it was just horrible. <laughs> it was. It was just horrible. And it was just like, I don't want to be, I don't want to be involved with this at all. This is just ridiculous. I go, I'm going to make a fool of myself. This is just trash. Oh God. But you know, okay, I'm there and I can't, I'm not going to bite the hand that feeds. You know? right. oh, so this is a, so this is a song about these two guys and they, they have a sound, they have a time machine and, and it looks like a phone book and they go around in this time machine, you know, and, yeah. they, and we need a song for that. And I'm like, Oh, Oh God! I'm just like my eyes are just rolling inside, and I'm going, "Oh, this is this is it, man!" I've got. It. Hey, I think uh, back on the on the on the laundromat tour, and I go, "That was way more way more bitching than this." <laughs> but anyway, so so anyway, so I you know I got a song. Oh, I got a song. I got a song. So you got a two guys cruising around in a time machine. Looks like a looks like a phone booth. You know, yep. sounds ridiculous even now. Yeah. And it's called Father Time. <laughs> Father Time. Yep. Father Time. They go, fa they go Father Time. I don't know. I go, what, what do you mean you don't know? <laughs> I mean, what a stupid answer. <laughs> of course. I mean, you don't even have to hear the song. Yeah, it hear, makes sense. Hear a song about two kids cruising around in a time machine like a phone book. And you call it Father Time. It's brilliant. Just, it's unbelievable but that kind of stuff used to happen all the time it's like well you got wooden ears are you that afraid you haven't even heard it yeah yeah it's like that type of shit oh god i'm not kidding so they just I'm not kidding. They didn't like it based on the name but i don't know oh, why god. no they didn't like it because they because i i actually 
I had the song already. Uh, so it might have been. I don't know what the reason was. They were they were way too full of their own hubris to to admit it. You know, it might have been because they didn't think of it, or maybe because I I didn't. They feel like it wasn't written specifically for their request. Could be yeah. a number of reasons. You never know the. You can never know the right answer. You just you could speculate all day long. But um, anyway, after a bunch of pushing and shoving, finally got it through. But um, that's when those songs came, and then this, okay. you know, and then there was another another story after that. With where you know we're doing um, another Keno Reeves movie that uh, Point Break, yep. you know, and you know, you know, and Keno Reeves is kind of an oddity to himself anyway, even today. He really is. You know, I mean, he's a, he's a he, he's an oddity, but he's he's a really good guy though. But yeah. He's, but he just he's just he's just a little odd, and yeah. I I'm not I'm not sure, you know. I think it's just, I don't know what the reason is, but he's just, he's just odd. There's nothing bad about that. I mean, no. some people think I'm odd. So, <laughs> but anyway, so he did another movie and we did that. And then we did another, and then I did, and then, oh no, gosh. And that brings us to this other thing. That brings us to that one that you want to talk about. I know. Oh. And that's contraband. We we could go into that in a, in Crap, a, in a I minute. I just walked right into it. You, I walked right into it. You did. You did. But I we'll, did. We'll I walked de- right. I did. We'll delay it for a minute. because. No, we Okay. All right. Because I wanted to find so, out. So there we go. So that's for that guy. I also wanted to know a little bit more about how did things change the way you recorded between School Bus and Law of the Order? Because you know School Bus that was another independent release, wasn't it? Yeah. Did you have more constraints on you as far as law of the order? Or did you did you have a lot of freedom to record what you wanted to for that session? No, you have you don't have much freedom, you know, anywhere. At least that's my experience, okay. and that may be w- why I don't have a solid gold house. You know, that might be the reason. You know, <laughs> maybe I was supposed to be more of a, of an ass, but I thought, truthfully, I thought I was plenty of an ass. You know, and and. On a lot of my career, you know, wanting my way, wanting something the certain way, but I was already, I was, you know, I was like, damn it, I paid my dues, you know, I, yeah. you know, I, I wore the same clothes four days in a row, you know, without yeah. washing them. I deserve to have a, a say here, right? Right. But you know, you never know how far to push it because you just don't know. You just ah, well, you know what? This isn't working out. See you later. You know, it'd be like, yeah. oh, wait, what? What did I say that out loud? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. It was so. <laughs> So you have to, you know, it, 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 there's a give and take, and uh, and sometimes you just have to straight up capitulate, and and it doesn't always work out the worst. It's not always the a, a bad story. I mean, for instance, we were recording, um, well, we were recording Law of the Order, and we were, um, um what song was it? Um, I'm not, I don't remember what song it was. It doesn't matter. But there was a there was a part in the song. It was like a pre-chorus part. Okay. okay, pre-chorus. Ew, and and I was repeating it every time the same line. For the first chorus and the second chorus, third, you know, I was repeating the same exact line. And it, and I thought the line was brilliant. I wish I knew what it was right now. It really doesn't matter though. But the producer was going, you know, 
I, I really like that part a lot, but how about if for the second chorus, you can use the same melody, but just change the words just for the second one and then for the third one. And oh, I'm that's like, it, huh? yeah, and I'm like looking at him going, what the beep do yeah. you know how? That is the most brilliant line in what's one of the best lines in 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 the song, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be able to top it. Yeah, I mean, so it would have to be a song. It would have to be a line that's as good as that one, right? Yeah, but different, right? Yeah, exactly. So what he's asking me, and I and I already thought I already had more. Okay, I'm at my apex here. I'm hot. That's badass. <laughs> We've been developing this for a couple of years already. I know what I'm doing. Is yeah. Well, that's cool. Well, we're going to go out to dinner now, and, and we'll go leave you here at the, at, the, at the control board, and you work on that. And I'm like, well, but, God, but, you know, see you God. later. And everybody left. Uh. And I'm there alone, pissed off, fuming, bitter, just like, how dare you, that son of a bitch, that pompous ass, you know, just going, just like mumbling, muttering to myself, but I knew I'm not going to get out of this. Oh, wow. I'm going to have to come up with something. So I sat there and sat there and sat there and just worked. And all of a sudden, something came to mind. And lo and behold, it was great. I said, this is just as good as the first one, except different. This is exactly what he wanted. And, nice. and I did it. And because of that, I was, I was able to jump beyond myself. Wow. You know, so something, so something that appeared to be that was going to be just a capitulation because, you know, you got your boot on my neck and you're not going to let me go until I comply yeah. or right. Yep. So, and something great came of it. So there's those kind of things happen as well. So it's not always bad, but it's, but you have to really kind of check your own self. You got to check your own ego. You got to, you got to make sure you're, you're not being delusional. You know, right. you got to see if you're realistic. You see, you got to just, just, you got to play the whole thing on. And you have to sometimes you just got to play ball. Sometimes you just yeah. got to play ball and see and see where it's going to go. But um, so that was a time. But there was there's there's capitulation. I mean, there was capitulation with uh, not not capitulation, but there was a uh, when they were putting the album together as far as the the song order uh, and the and the songs in general for like Law of the Order. We were we were in a big like a big, huge conference room, much like you see on, on all the TV dramas, you know, big, huge oak oval table with a pretty chairs all the way around with water beakers and, yeah. you know, and, you know, and, and guys dressed in suits and, you know, and, you know, stuffy and oh my God. Yeah. And they're going, well, okay, well, so we're thinking, I don't know if we, I don't know if this song Paris calling, I, I don't think, uh, I don't hear it on this album. Wow. I don't think exactly. And and you can imagine me, I'm just going, oh. I, even at that point I knew that this was a good song. This is a good song. Yes. Far away in a foreign land, a memory takes its stand. Hard to take for a man like me.
And they were like, I don't know. And I'm going, oh, my God. God. Oh, my God. Man. Now, how am I going to how am I going to deal with this? And, you know, this is obviously not the first time that I had to deal with it. So right. you get a little bit better and better at it. You know, the first time you'd really want to you really want to go to blows. I mean, come on, we're going to just just we're going <laughs> to. <laughs> we're gonna get down right now yeah you know, you, know, you know and then and then and then the next time you do it you, you use a lot of expletives and, yeah. then, and then the third and then by the by that time you don't even want to show your hand you just look to look at him you know deadpan and yep. and say you know i'm gonna bluff my way out of this one yeah so um <laughs> but in, inside you're just seething right i can't imagine the album without that song in it that would I know. Oh my I know. Isn't that stupid? That's, That's unbelievable. Stupid. That came out in 89. And wow. I guess you guys were touring up until the time Contraband came out because there's a two year gap between Law of the Order and then when Contraband comes out. What was the band going? What was going on with, with Shark Island at that time? Was there a lot of live, a lot of tours, a lot of live shows, or well, we, we were we were always playing. The only time we cut down playing was when I was on the uh, the development deal with A and M for about okay. It was like two years or something like that, a year and a half. That's the only time we stopped playing because I was physically not around. Right, right. But the rest of the time, we really, you know, we had we were playing to make money. Okay, at that point, you know, we started we get a once we got a deal, then we got an advance and then we just, we were, you know, we, you know, we had money, so we didn't have to play to, yeah. you know, to, to pay the rent. But, um, I don't, I, it's, it's all kind of mixed up. I don't know. I mean, contraband was after law of the order, right? Yeah. Yeah. That came yes. out in 91. Yeah. So yeah, that was after. So, yeah. So we had a, we had a, what, what happened was that, that right around that time there was a there was a big change in music and there was like almost an audible click that happened right and it was called grunge yep. and and i i you know being being in the industry i could see it coming because i could notice people people's attitudes were especially at AM, they were already on the, they were already flying people up to Seattle every weekend to check out Soundgarden, to check out uh, Mother Love Bone and, and uh, Temple of the Dog and all those guys. And um, so right towards the end there, as soon as the audible click came when, uh, believe it or not, when Pearl Jam came out with their album, it wasn't, you'd think it was, uh, it was Nirvana, but in actuality it was, it was Pearl Jam. That's what, I, as far as industry went. I that I, that makes sense though, because you know Nirvana yeah. comes out and, and it it takes more than just one band to do like you're saying a, right. an actual huge shift like that. Right, and there was a lot. They had a lot of bands going, but yeah. But Pearl Jam had they had enough of the components that they were able to you know even pull people away from you know hard rock and it, yeah. and in a sense it really wasn't that I'll probably get a lot of people like you know <laughs> emailing me what the hell are you talking about? it wasn't that big of a difference you know it wasn't that big of a difference I mean it was a it was a difference between wearing you know maybe some leather pants or to to perfectly ripped jeans yes. you know and you yeah. know I mean. <laughs> And a Pendleton and a 
and a beanie, you know, and, flannel and, and then, and then, and then acting like a disassociated artist, you yeah. know, on heroin, you know? <laughs> so, but, but, you know, I was doing all that anyway. You should have saw yeah. me at soundcheck, you know, I was, <laughs> you know, I was, a, I was a mess. <laughs> you know, I, I, I didn't, I didn't, I mean, until stage time, I, I took my outfits totally serious, but man, during the day I was just, you know, I just usually just gotten up. Yeah. And my hair still smell like cigarettes, you know, I'm like, <laughs> you know, hey, go to AMPM, get a hot dog for breakfast. And I was just like, wow. <laughs> so I got a hangover. Give me an egg McMuffin. Yeah. I got a hangover. So, you know, I mean, so we were, we were there or we, we could have been there already, but at that point we were at, we were with Epic and we had lost our A&R person, which is, which is the person that, that kind of uh, champions you within the label. So, okay. so if an AR person signs you, it's his, it's his gig, it's his collar. So he usually tries, he, he operates within the company to get things happening for you, okay. whether it's a video or a new recording or outfits or record covers or interviews or anything like that. He's the, he's the guy that, that does it. Or a girl, or it was okay. a guy, and and anyway, he left. He got another job in New York. Oh, so he left Epic LA, and we didn't have an A and R person. So yes, we got somebody assigned to us. But see, being assigned is different than choosing. Yeah, you know, yeah, you could get the person that 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 was assigned us may not have liked us. Right. You know, maybe he likes that other band that he's been trying to sign for the past you know, nine months. Yeah. Why are you giving me these guys? I don't, you know, I, I don't even know their music. I don't know. I don't know them enough. But I mean, I think personally we could have made the transition into, into grunge with a couple of, um, with a couple of adjustments. Not that I'm into these big labels and stuff. Cause they're just labels, you know, hard yeah. rock, heavy metal, hair metal, grunge, you know, glam rock, you know what I mean? Yep. All these names. It's yeah. just like, wow, there's too many names here. You know what I mean? We don't, they don't have that many slots. They don't have that many slots at music plus. Where are you going to put it? You know, what the hell, what are you going to do? You know? So who, whose idea was contraband? How did that thing all come together? Cause that was, okay. that was you Cher Pedersen uh, from Vixen, Bobby Blotzer from Rat, Tracy Guns from LA Guns, and Michael Schenker from Scorpions. Eehoo! <laughs> See, I told you I was hanging. I was hanging with the badass guitar players, man. Badass guitar yeah. players. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that was, that was, um, God, it was actually, it was the beginning of the end, actually. At the time, it seemed like it was, everything seemed promising. Yeah. But um, we had a manager. We signed. Uh, we signed a contract with the manager, and I will, And he shall be. He shall remain unnamed. Okay. And and he was managing all of these bands, the respective bands that you just mentioned. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. So that's his. That's his roster. So he come up with an idea, which it, it's not a. It it doesn't seem to be on, on first blush. It doesn't seem to be. A horrible idea.
the flower failed to bloom, really. Yeah. And what happened, he said, was, oh, I'm going to do, he, he was already having to deal with this grunge thing happening. And all of a sudden he has, he has a pack of hard rock guys and girls, you know, yeah. he's got LA guns and he's got, you know, the riff machine, Michael Shanker, and he's got rat and, and what are we going to do with them? Yeah. The rat was like, you know, there was, they were circling the, circling the drain at the time. Bit just a great band, by the way. Oh yeah. So was so was LA Guns, by the way. Those, I mean, we're talking live. When I when I say a good band, I judge it not on the album as much as I judge it live. That's when it really makes a difference. Oh yeah, yeah. And they were they were a good band, but it was just like it was it was all yesterday's news. Yeah. And, and for the for that matter, we were kind of yeah. yesterday's news. You know, I mean, they were already, I can already see, I can see the writing on the wall that we're not going to be, there's not going to be too much of this. Yeah. No, right now you need, we need to, we're going to need to go with the grunge thing. We're going to have to go there. That's good. That's where it's at. So the money's at. And, um, so yeah, so he's, he thought, okay, well, here's what he's going to do. He's going to make an all-star band. Okay. So he put, he, so he concocted this band. He took all the players from his roster and um and um put this band together and he got you know all the all the uh great writers of the time the writers du jour right, right to to write most of the songs and we'll get a we'll even get a movie soundtrack with it and we'll make a real bit package and we're going to make an album and this album is going to be so big that it's going to launch your respective careers Okay. And that's the plan. That's the plan. Now you're listening. Yeah. To, you listen to it right now, and you go, "Yeah, that's a plan. Good yeah. plan. Not bad. Not bad." You know, let's make some lemonade here, right? right. Yeah. So it started off very good. Uh, we were we, you know, we 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 were recording, but keep in mind that we never, even to this day, contraband has never played on the same stage at the same time. Oh wow! Ever ever oh my god the closest we came the closest we came to it was Cher being replaced by that cat from rat bass player oh okay yeah i can't remember his name it's I, like a yeah i can't remember his Cavassier name or something like <laughs> it sounds like a, it sounds like a brandy or sounds something delicious. i can't remember his name yeah it sounds delicious to me <laughs> um anyway so I mean, for some reason, there was an issue between Rat and having Cher be on the same tour. Oh, God. Being on the bus. Because, you know, they like their ladies and they like yeah. to do all kinds of unmentionable things on the bus. And then to have a woman there that they're not boinking, ah, it's going to get in the way. Yep. So uh, that was kind yeah. of the you know, stupid. <laughs> it was stupid. I thought it was like, but that's the closest we came actually to play. And the very first time we actually played together at the same time was at a live show with 5,000 people. Oh my God. No rehearsal. No. Oh my God. Nothing. nothing. Gee, I can't yeah, imagine it, that. It, it, very, very it well. Was it was it was horrible. And, you know, the days leading up to it, I was, you know, I was kind of, you know, I realized that there was some, there was one very interesting uh, aspect to it that you may not have caught on. And that is this, 
So you had the the headliners of this tour was contraband. Right. Okay. The supporting acts were LA Guns and Rat. So we were <laughs> we were headlining. We were headlining over Rat and LA wow. Guns. Wow. Okay. Two super bands, by the way. Right. Hot live. Badass, like like a Swiss watch. You may not like their music or whatever, but oh, I love Rat. That they were good, you know, and um, they had a lot of really great things about them. So they were the openers. So the headliners was this band, this band called Contraband, without an album out yet. And I thought, well, we were we were promoting the album. Okay, so the album had think, come out. Or it, I think it might have been. Or it was just in the process of it, because that's how they usually do it. They usually make the album available like a couple days before you show up to town, you know. Okay. And okay. you make a deal, and you make a deal with the radio station to look, to promote it, and you know, and they go, "WKR is promoting Contraband yes. at the Swinston Auditorium this weekend. If you call right now, you get an autographed guitar and a new album from Contraband." <laughs> right? Right. And you get to take a cab ride with Michael Shanker while he practices his guitar. Oh, right? boy. You know, I mean, whatever. You yeah, know, whatever. That's, like, that's just this, that whole that whole 80s stuff. Right? Yeah. So, so I realized that there's really no incentive for anyone in Rat, which we had two members now in the band, from, yeah. in Contraband, or Tracy Guns, to give a horse's ass <laughs> about Contraband. Yeah. As a matter of fact, it would be in their best interest to just blow the headliners away. <laughs> yeah, I think. Right? Yeah, exactly. Of course, of course, of course. We're going to blow these sons of bitches away. How dare they go ahead of us anyway? We're rat. We've been around forever. Exactly. You know, and we're going to blow their doors off. And I'm, I don't have any recourse. I'm not opening the show. This is my, this is it. I am fronting the headliner over rat and LA guns. <laughs> There's no, they had no interest in rehearsing at all. And I'm trying to get that through the manager's head. I'm going, Hey, we haven't practiced at all yet. Oh, well, they're just back. with that busy. We could have been practicing right now. We got a show in like three days, you know, and wow. we haven't practiced at all yet. I don't even know. And, and they kept promising, promising, promising. And it never happened. Practice never happened. And the song, I remember the, I remember the first time we got on stage. They started the song, and I tell you, I honestly, honestly, I couldn't even recognize what song it was. Oh, my God. I'm like, what is this? Oh, what are they playing? <laughs> what are they playing? Oh, my God. And you know me, I'm the guy that wants to know everything that's going to happen. You know, yeah. I want to know everything. Exactly. So, um, control. So that was pretty much it. So, so when people talk about Contraband, you know, you can talk about the album and you may like the album and you may like the, the players in the band and you may like the optics of it all. But for me, Contraband really was quite the black eye yeah. in my career. So, I mean, my, um, Shark Island never really hit full stride after that because once that was done, the record label was already gone because uh, my manager negotiated us out of it so we were with his his own emi label and we're okay. with the manager so I, so in one fell swoop i had no label no manager 
Wow. I was just another garage. I was just a garage band again. Oh, my back gosh. to zero doing something, doing something, making some making widgets that nobody's interested anymore in. Yeah. Right. So I'm, you know, so we're like, what am I going to do now? Am I going to get some of those holy jeans and try to try to find a record deal as a, you know, what am I going to do at that point? And it was horrible. I, I at that point, I, I, I had like a nervous breakdown and just completely just walked away from music for wow better part of a year, about nine months. Didn't do anything. Oh, wow. Just stayed, stayed around, laid low and just went, fuck this. So for me, it wasn't a, it wasn't a good thing at all. You, so you walked away for you. What happened after that? Uh, Cause the, the next thing that I've found that, that was released with you as part of it was a Jack Ponte album in like 2003 is a track called desire. I don't know that one. Yeah, it's it's uh oh gosh, it's uh it's just called Jack Ponty, like Volume One or something. Uh, it's a track. Well, you know what? I I know Jack Ponty. I stayed at his house. I was he was one of those writers I wrote with while I was with the A and M A and M thing, right? Jack Ponty was from the uh, from the Bon Jovi crew. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And he used to actually play you know, behind the curtain keyboards for Bon Jovi, right? And write wow. songs with them and, okay. and all that stuff. You know, it was all that Tom's River, New Jersey thing, you know? Yep. What are those, what are those places called? Sayre, Sayreville. Sayreville. And, oh, yeah, I used to live around there. Sayreville and, yep. you know, all those, there's an, an Ashbury. Is Ashbury? Is that place? Asbury. Is that a city there? Asbury, Asbury Park. Yeah. Right. Yeah. right. So that whole area. So, they, so Jack, Pawnee and, and, um, uh, Bon Jovi's crew. And, um, the, as a matter of fact, the, when I was the song, the demo we did with Jack Pawnee, the band was, uh, Skid Row. Skid Row was my back band. Oh, that. wow. So they played the music and we do We did our demos. So it's good. They, Cause they only sent me back East and I needed a band. So Jack Pawnee was tight with Skid Row. So Skid Row was also oh, wow. part of the Bon Jovi Bon Jovi crew. Oh, cool. And as a, as a matter of fact, they wanted me to be their singer. Oh, really? At the time. Yeah. I was supposed to be the singer. I was offered the position as in the um, Skid Row. Oh, and also wow. I was offered a position in uh, Atomic Playboys with Steve Stevens as well. And oh, I turned man. them both. Yeah, I turned them both down. And um, I, you know, I, I loved the guys in Skid Row. Those guys I hadn't laughed that hard in years. They had the <laughs> greatest sense of humor. They were really, really good. You know, they were, that whole East Coast vibe is quite different than the West Coast vibe. I mean, oh, yeah. I mean, literally busting up till like my eyes were watering. You know, I just <laughs> I couldn't awesome. even I couldn't even catch my breath. These guys were so damn funny. And anyway, they did our they, they did our uh, my demo. So that's probably Jack probably put that together. I've never 
never seen that though or heard of it. So I yeah, don't know. Yeah, it's um I actually I've got it pulled up here. It's twelve tracks. It's got coincidentally enough, Sebastian Bach is track number one. It's got the Nelson brothers, Matt and Gunner, Kelly Keeling, Glenn Burtnick, you doing a song <laughs> called Desire, Eric Gales. Oh, uh, funny. Uh, That's the, funny. I'd the, love to see that. The Nelson brothers with, with Snake Sabo on it, uh, uh, on a song oh, called Don't yeah. Turn Away. It's, yeah, yeah. I, that's probably what I never heard of that. So that's what that that's probably where that came from. Okay, that's what it was Jack Pony. So I had that, and then I had uh, and then another song that came out of my writing campaign was actually Paris Calling came out of that as well. It came out with with a guy named uh, Mark Radice from Aerosmith from the Aerosmith camp. Oh, cool. And he was actually one of my one of the first, if not the first, like the second or third person I, I met he was living out in uh out in the middle of nowhere in the sticks in uh philadelphia and what is that what is that um, forest called there not forest it's a it's a place that people go for honeymoons and stuff uh, ah, in jersey shit. or out by pennsylvania i i think it's in pennsylvania oh uh, uh, it may come to me i'm not sure it in jersey they have that pine no, it wasn't that. It wasn't that. It may come to me later, but it doesn't matter. It was one of those really exotic, <laughs> you know, dark place, middle of sticks. And here I, you know. At and, the Poconos? I, that's it. It's the Poconos. Exactly. <laughs> Lived in the middle there. And and, uh, and and I'm just going, wow. And I'm, you know, I'm an L.A. guy. You know, my whole vibe is completely different. You know, it's like. You know, where's the beach, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm out here I'm out here in the forest and going, What the hell? <laughs> and he was uh Mark Mark Redice was just he was like like a mad scientist, a mad just a weird, dark, mad scientist, just a genius. Oh wow. And we spent we spent quite a bit of time together. We were we went out to uh another place back there if I can remember. Gosh, this is really fun to think of all these old stories. Um, Matt, Matt, is there a place called Manhawken? Uh, there, see, there's like an island on the coast of New Jersey. Oh, uh, um, Montauk. Manahawk? There's no Manhawken. It was like Manhawken. There's Hawken. You know, there's so many that sound. There's Weehawken. There's Manasquan. There could be. Okay, well, one of those Man places. So, so we were, so we were out there. We, it was off season. It was like in the middle of the winter. So the whole, the whole kind of vibe was everything was boarded up. You yeah. know, there was no tourists. It was dark. It was windy. It was you cold. know, it rained and it was, yeah, it's cold. And he rented a house. He rented a whole house there, and we and we just sat. We kicked back in that house. We just wrote and just. It was really it was a really cool time. Oh, wow. I mean, it was a. It was it was a it was a very weird time to be that um, uh, I, I want to say the word intimate, but I don't want you to get the wrong idea. But <laughs> really, we were like really tight for, for somebody that for two guys who really didn't know each other, right? Yeah. But we were we were a lot alike, and we had the same kind of emotions and feelings about things, you know, and and we were able to just talk like old old soulmates like your old best friend and it was just i had just met him like you know maybe four days before that you know when we were in poconos and then we and then we wrote some songs and then we and then we went up to new york and recorded the demos and so that's how paris calling came to be and then they wanted to keep it off the album 
And they want to keep going, yeah. Assholes. Well, yeah, well. <laughs> well, again, so that it, it was generated by A&M's efforts, and then the label was that I had was Epic, so who knows? Maybe it was the uh, same thing that happened with Father Time. Well, we didn't think about it, so it's not that good of an idea. Exactly. You, know? yeah. <laughs> you never know. It's like high school. So, <sighs> gosh. So you walk away for a year, 90, 91 or so. The next Shark Island album doesn't come out until 2006. So what are you, right. and that's Gathering the Faithful. So what is what is going on with you between 92, let's say, and recording Gathering the Faithful? Well, I became a, um, a metal artist, a metal sculptor. How did you and get was, into that? Well, I was, all my life, I was like really into like cars and doing restorations. Oh, and, I love you that. Know, you know, doing mechanical things. And I just really liked it. It was really always fun to do. So it was, there was always some kind of project going on in my life. That's awesome. In that thing. So after that, I mean, I didn't want to be a mechanic because I, I certainly did not want to work on someone else's car. I'd work on mine, but <laughs> right. I'd work on someone else's car. But <laughs> So, so I started, I started making these pieces, these sculptors, these, these sculptures. And, uh, and it was, um, wow, it was, it was kind of neat. And, and, and people showed a great interest and I was doing, you know, shows with them, you know, I would go to festivals and shows and have the stuff, you know, for sale. And, you know, I was just happy as can be doing that it was just like no music there was uh, everything was on my own time I, wow. no pressure awesome. and uh and i did that for many years i have i have stuff all over i have stuff all over the world oh that is awesome um, yeah just pieces like these they call them pieces or right. elements or installations and uh so i did that for a long time and then this um an old friend of mine who was, uh, he was like independently wealthy and he wanted to be, uh, he wanted to start a record company. Do you so want to start a said, podcast network? Yeah. Something <laughs> like that. Cause so, it, I, I can be bought at this point. Right. Every, we can, everybody can be bought. Mark. Don't, <laughs> don't kid yourself. Especially the ones that, especially the ones that say they can't. Right. Right. Yeah. So. I'll at least be upfront about it. Right, right. We're not going to lie. Let's just not lie. No. We're all everybody's uh, selfish just, and self-centered. That's just wastes time. Right, right. All right. So, so, um, so, so he he said, "Gosh, I really want to let, let's do a record. I want to see how this works, you know." And he, he was, and I, I want to have a label that's much like the A and M format, you know, a real boutique album, okay. um, artist leaning you know and creative and this and that and i want to i want to do it Let, let's do it let's build the whole thing and, and so i said uh, okay well, i go if you can get you know spencer to to come spencer had already moved to uh germany so oh, he was wow. expatted to germany and so he he had to come there and then chris chris was living in uh england so he, chris left to england oh wow um, um spencer left to germany they still live there and um Man. You know what? Here, you know, I'm going to try to do something here because I noticed I have 17% on my phone. <laughs> I'm going to try to plug in an adapter real quick, okay? Sure, sure. So hold on one sec. Okay, check one. Are you there now? Yes, sir. Okay, it's working. All I right. Did I did it. Awesome. Okay. So, um, well, I had, I had to get a splitter. It's a, it's a splitter that splits into a charger plus the earbuds. Oh. So it doesn't, it doesn't always work because it's kind of wonky. but but oh, it's working, it so Good. it doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, 
<laughs> Must be an iPhone. So anyway, so I said, yeah, it's an iPhone. So I said, um, if you can get Spencer to do it, let's do, let's do it. So we had a bunch of songs that we we had written. Some of them we were almost done. Some of them were done because we you know we wrote a lot. We wrote you know hundred songs, yeah. fifty. Wow. And um, so we we put it together like from the ground up with a real beautiful record cover and a really nice list of songs and and we didn't we weren't worried about you know get hitting a quota with a certain number of upbeat songs and sort of that we, we were just it was like songs that we kind of felt bad that we never did justice to you know we want to yeah. you know we just want to put it out there for prosperity and prosperity 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 not well posterity freudian slip yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> but anyway <laughs> no our life is just an open flame put that together it was just awesome it was very nice there was some moments in there that were just uh wonderful we and we and we recorded it at AM radio at am studios oh cool which it was no longer but it was no longer AM because hansen bought it the, the guy that used to do the puppets oh wow that guy yeah he bought you, he I'll... bought the building <laughs> i thought you said hansen so, not hansen uh, <laughs> So, so anyway, so it was, but, but there we were again in full circle. Okay. The company wasn't, you know, the people weren't there, but yeah. Disneyland was still there. We're still here. Wow. We're still, and they got, you know, their studios were just truly world-class yeah. and we just uh, recorded it there. And uh, so that's how that came out. So that real that sold really good. I mean, people really loved it and they they really were, because it was just kind of a continuation. It was like almost going into a time machine. Exactly. You know, and then hearing some of these, some of these people hadn't heard these songs in, in years and years. And all of a sudden they're hearing, and you know, that's really important in music is the memory that you have when you were first exposed to the music. Yes. And that's one of the biggest challenges you have anyone that's writing that has been part of an old realm, so to speak, to come out with something new because you have to, you all, you're all of a sudden trying to reach people and you, and you hope that you can reach the people that liked you before, but if they, if they can't quite relate to it for what any number of reasons, like, I mean, they may, they may like, you know, why should I believe? Because, oh yeah, that's when I was with, with Kathy and we were really in love and we were, I remember we went to Yosemite and we camped there and had, yep. had sex twice a day and everything was beautiful. And oh, I remember that, but you can't <laughs> compete with that. You know, you come up with a new song and now and they're all old. They're going, Oh my, my kid, my kids suck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, nothing, nothing great. Yeah. So you, you have to come, you're fighting with a memory. You're fighting with a memory. Yeah. So, I mean, sometimes you, sometimes you hit it, sometimes you don't, you know, and, well, and, 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 you know, and then right now you certainly, I, I'm not going to get anywhere on my, on my looks anymore. <laughs> I mean, you can't, you know, like could put, I can't put more hairspray in my hair. Yeah. You know I mean, like, you know, I'm just like, <laughs> Thank you. Thank God. I, you know, I didn't get fat or anything, you know, but, right. but still, I'm not, I, you can't use that. You can't use 
hey, I'm a hot guy, you know, exactly. hey, oh, yeah, you know, you <laughs> well, can't do that. You, you so guess, really nailed it, though, because like like the track Blue Skies, the the opener, I love that. That chorus is, is just, that brings me right back to yeah. working on my old truck, listening to Shark Island while I'm working on it. Absolutely. That was a brilliant opener. I loved it. And it just brought me right back to that time when I first discovered you guys. Right. So how can you compete with that right now with a new song? I can't, well, compete. I can't compete with your truck, Mark. No, but, <laughs> but the song, but that song, Blue Skies, brought me back to that truck. It made me feel like I was back I dig it, but I'm talking now. For, oh, no. I God, to do no. something now, though. What am I going to do? I mean, how, come, how am I going to reach Mark now? You know? But you see what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it happens. I'm not. I'm not saying it doesn't happen. But when you're in a an environment and in, in a situation where you're, you know, you have constant exposure and you have a, a following, a cult following, you have a, a local island following that that knows your every move and follows you to the end of the earth and and hangs out and loves you and you lo you love them it's just like those are great times those yeah. are great things hard to compete with yeah now did you guys uh, support that album with any live shows or was that just a release just just no for... we did a couple cut we did a couple only thing we did with that we did some um acoustic fundraisers a series of acoustic uh, fundraisers okay mm -hmm. so then there was another gap between gathering of the faithful and the new album bloodline with with a one kind of live very limited edition live release live in zagreb yeah yeah how did yeah live in zagreb that well that's actually what started that album that was what was so important about it is right before i did that album i was completely i should say i was totally complete with music I okay. didn't. I couldn't care less if I ever did anything again. Wow! Just, just it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And it doesn't matter. I wasn't sad about it. It just didn't matter. Right. Okay. And uh, so I was. So I had a. I have this. Um. This little pad out in Croatia on the coast. Okay. Right? Cool. And and it's and it's yeah. It sounds cool. It sounds like I'm puffing. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not trying to be a. Puff. I'm not trying to be a puff guy. I mean, I just got the plumbing in. I don't know. You know, I mean, I got the bathroom happening. I got a toilet and a sink and a shower, and I got the plumbing to the wall for the kitchen. <laughs> you know what I mean? And the house is about, oh, I would say it's 300 years old. Wow. You know, the walls are solid, solid rock. They're three foot thick walls. Oh my anyway, gosh. but it's fine for, you know, it's, you, you wouldn't want to bring a, a new date there, but certainly you can bring your wife or your best friend there and hang out, yeah. <laughs> you know, walk to the beach. So I was there and it was, that was just fine with me. I'm like, it's like a little fishing village and, you know, population yeah. thousand or something. Okay. And then the guy, this guy that I knew in LA who was a Croatian national, he moved back to Zagreb. Oh, pretty wow. good guitar player too. Really actually, actually is a real good guitar player. So we just, 
don't seem to get along, but he's a really good guitar player. Okay. But he, he comes, you know, he, I went up to, to the city, which is from my place. It was like, you know, it's like an hour and a half hour, 40 minute drive to just go just, just to hit the city. You oh, know, wow. go. And he's, he's all looking, you know, he says, um, Hey, uh, why don't you do anything with music anymore? I'm like, yeah, come on. What the fuck do you know? He had no idea. I go, because I don't want to, because I got a brain. That's why. So, because I grew up. So anyway, so he goes, well, look, he goes, there's a great weekend coming up here in Zagreb. I go, what is it? He goes, well, it's it's Day of the Dead. Day of the Dead. When is that? He goes, oh, it's the end, end of October. I go, oh, like Halloween. He goes, yeah, yeah. But for us, we do it. It's like a three-day affair. Oh, wow. Like three days. The entire city all but shuts down. They got one of the biggest mortuaries, not mortuaries, graveyard. Okay. In Europe there. Huge. Oh, it's wow. like a city. It's like oh, a my city. Gosh. Yeah. And, and the building, some of the graves are like little houses. You know what I mean? It's oh, like, wow. like, you know, really super nice. And then every, every day, every weekend of the Day of the Dead, you know, everything shuts down, all the public transportation, the, the trams, you know, and the metros, all the, everything's free buses oh, and everybody goes everybody goes up to the graveyard to pay their respects to all the people that died okay. and there's a lot of people that died you know from the wars and stuff they yeah. had and i don't know if you i don't know if you have the album or not but they, they, if you look on the back of the cover you can see they light these little red candles you know at all the uh, grave sites so okay, people yeah. bring a bunch of those but they they also set them out on these on the big grand walkways and we're talking hundreds of thousands i mean maybe wow could be it could be a million oh my candles god yeah like it's just jaw dropping like oh my god where am i this is like amazing so you imagine that the candles are almost touching each other and they go for hundreds of yards and they're like thick you know wide is the whole walkway which is about 30 feet solid so it's just Jeez. solid like an ocean of these scales. Anyway, so it's a, I'm just trying to, I'm saying it together and showing, tell you what a big weekend this is there. Yeah. You know? And, and he says, I got a really good band together. You know, we, uh, we have, we know all your songs. Oh, and wow. I'll, I'll make a point of put the whole, I'll put a whole set together of the songs, mostly like law of the order. And we can get a gig with my connections at this club called the Industrial Club. Big old awesome club called the Industrial Club. You can just imagine what it looks like. It looks like a, you know, it looks like a <laughs> a, a Giger painting, you know, right. from the alien, you know. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So it's like, whoa. All right. Well, I'll see. I just didn't take them too seriously because everybody says that. Yeah. Everybody says you know, everyone's sack is the heaviest and everyone has the best dentist. Yeah. I would say. <laughs> so it's going to. So I was like, okay, well, whatever. So anyway, so I came over one time to, you know, a week or so, a couple of days later, and uh, we're in this studio in the basement of this house. It's an ex-underground bar Ooh. that was set up during communism. Oh, wow. So it was a secret bar, and it was under a house in the middle of this, like, uh, you know, these old old houses like these old uh what do they call them i can't remember but these old wooden i'm not wooden but stone houses on like a main street and you go into okay. this house and you go down the basement and then you're at this bar it's called a cradle of rock and has posters on the wall of <laughs> billy d williams and this other yeah and a big old full bar 
all kinds of alcohol, a little tiny stage, chairs, smoke, oh, so thick wow. you can just cut it. And then below that is a recording studio with a really nice equipment in it. It was like really nice. In wow. fact, we did all the we did all the basics of Bloodline in that studio. Oh wow! But they but they had a rehearsal space, and I was and then they said, well, let's let's do this here. Here's the song list. They go, let's go, and they they laid it down, and man, I was going. Wow, this is good. <laughs> I, I mean, I couldn't deny it. I was just going, I was almost going, you know, fuck, you know, yeah. this is good. <laughs> How am I going to get out of this now? <laughs> so I, I thought, well, okay. I go, look, I go, I'm here. It's Halloween. It's going to be a big thing. Let's, okay, let's do it. So I did it. We rehearsed a couple of days. They already had it down. I knew the shit. Yeah. And um, so I got, we we get there and I dress up as a I dressed up as a Andy Warhol with his big white wig nice. on and his white shirt and a tie you know and and uh, we laid down an incredible show and we and we recorded it multi track and it came out so good I said let's go we're gonna make an album out of this they said really I said yeah so I re, I re, we we put it on a on an orange vinyl you know and made it kind of a Halloween vibe. Yeah, yeah. And that was that was the beginning of it. Nothing here for me to stay. Dirty work for honest pay. Gonna leave it all behind this time. Let it die. Why should I believe what they say? Why should I be molded to their way? So now that that was there, he said, well, you want another gig? Yeah, we can, we can get to, we can get as many gigs as we want around here and, and this and that. And, <laughs> and then, <laughs> right. And next thing we know, we're in England doing shows there. You know, we did this big old festival there and I'm just going, God, this is like, it's going out of control. Yes. But it was the biggest difference was, is that I didn't have to, I didn't have to do the much babysitting, you know, and I didn't have to, you know, I, it was just for the most part, I didn't have to. It, it was it wasn't very much work for me i mean it was right. the only work was just to travel you know and, and finding you know finding finding a toilet in time those yes. were like the big thing <laughs> that you had had to work had to make sure you had yeah. access to <laughs> but manifest records the ones who did uh, gathering of the faithful again said well why don't we just do a new album so you can only we'll do new songs this and that um, we started working on it, and we did <clears throat> Monsters of Rock, a couple wow. concerts to you know get some things ironed out, yeah. and um, we put it together. I mean, it wasn't as crazy as as gathering as gathering was because there wasn't a bar to reach. It was just kind of like, right. okay, this is what we're doing now. You know, when there's okay. nothing really to live up to but your own reputation. So that's how that, that happened. So um, that brings us up to uh, Bloodline. So are, are all the songs on Bloodline brand new, or any of them older songs that no, you read? There's, there's a there's a couple there's a couple. I think there's three. There's I think I think there might be three songs. Okay. Well, there's that one "Make a Move," right? That right. that we never recorded. That was on the live one. Was that one? Yes. And then there was uh, there's a couple more on there, but the rest of them are all new. And then we did a cover song. We did um, "Policy of Truth." The Depeche, Depeche Mode. Mode. Yeah, that was yeah. that was surprising. That's so good. Yeah, I 
it's yeah, it's different. It's it, I liked it because it was what I really wanted to do with the album was it, it I wanted it to have a you know a, a thematic quality to it. Like and the other ones do too. They really they really do. If you really look at it, you know, all, all the songs have a theme. You know, yeah, Law of the Order. You know. Day of the Dead, Gathering of the Faithful. You know, the Gathering of the Faithful is just is the guys getting back together again. You know, yeah. And this, here we are back together again. And then Law of the Order is just our reality, our law, and and this is who we are. You know, it's just, yeah. and of course, the Halloween one. The Halloween is very obvious. Yeah. But I wanted to kind of uh, have a thematic house. A lot, of the rec- a lot of the record was, I've always been into these big kind of world events and, you know, when we're what we're experiencing now, for instance, you know, is 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 almost prophesized in the album. Thinking if you if you listen to the album and listen to the words and then think that it was done before pre-COVID, that's really kind of remarkable of all the kind of things that really show up. Because I I speak to a lot of things and I you know I get a lot of I get involved in a lot of things and people like to call them conspiracy theories, you know, because right. because that that kind of you know takes takes the air out of anything. If you call something a conspiracy theory, you kind of invalidate it, even though it, even though it was the truth, but it's, I think it's just a psyop, but I've always been into them. And, and, and I know that there's a lot of, you know, really bad, bad stuff going on in the world that, oh, that, sure. we, that normal people can't really even imagine what's going on, but there's some really evil stuff because I am of the belief. And I say this to all my friends. I, I believe that humans are inherently evil. And I know it sounds shocking to hear that, but I truly, I, I truly believe that. Yeah. And you know, it's in myself included. And what you do with that in your life is who you become and what your character is. So you have a choice. I mean, I'm going to get a little bit of, I'm getting a little philosophical here, but I'll keep it very short. Sure. But what, what you do is the way that you manage that reality about being an evil being is either has to be, um, you either have to be take on God and believe in God, or you have to believe in a government or somebody else, or you have to be a complete outlaw and just, you know, kill the person that looks at you wrong or take anything that, that you believe you're deserving of, you know what I mean? So you have these different ways and these different mechanisms that kind of, they, they manage you, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you're never, no one's ever perfect way. Everybody's done stuff. I haven't noticed I've done things that I, I should probably never be forgiven for, but that's beside the point. I mean, we all have done screwed up things. And yeah, yeah. if we haven't yet, then our opportunity hasn't come up for it yet. <laughs> because I, I believe that everybody, everybody has a price, you know, and if, and if somebody says they don't, they're probably the most guilty. So, yeah. Yeah. So well, it's, it's true. This is all true. And, um, a lot of that is reflected in Bloodline, in the whole thing. In fact, but the only song that isn't is pre is post COVID is the last song that's on um, on Bloodline. See, there's actually oh God, it's kind of complicated. Bloodline's actually also it's a ma- it's a manifest music release. Okay, so it right. was released only to our cult following. Okay, right? so we had we made a thousand copies. And we just said, let's just let's just make a thousand copies and just sell these out to all our the people that really want to see them. And, and we made them, and they just they were gone. Oh, I'm and all of a sudden yeah. they were gone. 
So we went, oh crap! And and but we out we also realized that you know since there was no real stores involved, it's, it's all it was all mail order, you know. Yeah. So we we realized that we said, you know, we we want to make more, but you know, I'll be damned if I want to go to the post office anymore, and you know, and <laughs> you know, mail things off. I right. mean, it's a lot of a lot of work. I mean, yeah. and, and then you're also selling merchandise too, you know. Yeah, yeah. Because we all know in the music business that the CD is only the soundtrack. And the jingle for the T-shirt you want to sell, right? right. That's yeah. Essentially, <laughs> that's essentially the truth. Wow, that's the truth. So anyway, so you're selling all kinds of you're selling hats, and we sold flasks and shot glasses and shirts and and welding caps. We sold welding caps. Oh wow! Yeah. Oh, all kinds of all kinds of stuff. You know, we, so we selling it. But as anyone, make a long story short. Uh, Deco Records said, "Hey, well, we want to do a distribution deal with you, and and we'll take care of everything. We'll take care of all the, you know, we'll do the promotion. We'll do, you know, we'll do the distribution, and we also get to get into a, into territories that were very difficult, like like Japan. Oh, who, wow. who you know, it's a very but you know, you got to think if you're gonna a CD." mailed from here to go to japan costs more than the cd yep so you know so you need to be you need to have a presence in on all the continents australia and all that so we did we worked out a deal with them but the, the there was a caveat and the caveat says well we want that we'll do the record but we want it to be a little bit different we want two extra tracks that you don't have on your independent okay so wow so um and then so and japan wanted yet another one Oh. That was different than that one. So, it, so, so, Bloodline came. Bloodline two point oh two oh is what it's called now. That's the one that you buy now. And then the one, the the last song in the track is called "Somebody," and that was written just you know months ago. You know, oh that wow! Was like, written after after COVID. I just I put that together. The years have passed, and so have all my dreams. I said, you know, I don't want to. And the other one we put on, we put a producer's track, the producer's cut of of Rocks on the Rocks on it too. So that was technically a two songs difference. <laughs> I, I and and I'll just say it, and I and I told Alex too, you know, I don't like the producer's cut. You know, I rejected that. Ah. But he had to capitulate for obvious reasons. But so now he got to to live it out and have his version of it too. <laughs> it's a little bit different, yeah. But so whatever, you know? yeah. But anyway, back to the whole thematic thing. So there's a lot of if you listen to it, and you look at the whole, and you listen to the whole thing, like in situ, you can really see that it is kind of a, it's almost prophetic. But it, yeah. it it's 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 nothing that hasn't been done. There's nothing new under the sun as far as these events that we are living through. You know, there's right. oh there has been sex trafficking for years that's been yeah. going on. There's been there's been babies murdered. For years, that's, yep. this is something that's happened since biblical time. It's never went away. People think it went away, and people became no. civilized all of a sudden. That's it. That that didn't happen. This stuff still goes on. And then there's the the music business, entertainment business per se. It's it's just a it's you know it's a cesspool, Mark. It's Man. a cesspool. You know, I mean, I couldn't tell you. I mean, if there was a couple times 
if I could, if, if I would have performed fellatio at the right times, I would have been like, I would have been a multimillionaire oh, wow. right now. If I would have, yeah. there is, there is, you know, there is a casting couch in music. Make no mistake about it. Make I, no mistake. I don't doubt it. So not in the least. So, and so, you know, if you take all that, all that in, into account, then you can certainly see that yes, humans are inherently evil. Yes, we are. Yeah. And, um, but we do, we do things. You do, you do the right thing. You have a family, you, you had, you take on the responsibility, you spend time, you, you make examples, you do the right thing. You don't do anything that you want to do all the time. You do, do, you do things that, that are built out of character. Those are things that you do, you yeah. know, and that's what we have to do as people on this earth. But un, unbridled, God, forget it. The shit hits the fan. Yeah. Ugh. Especially in times of desperation, when you don't have yeah. any money, you can't make the rent, you don't have a car, you just got fired. What do you do? You get desperate. Where are you going to go? You can either go sell your ass, or you're going to go steal something, or you're going to do something. Yeah. Or maybe you can find someone's couch to sleep on, but I mean, once it gets really desperate, you never know what the hell you're going to do. Yeah, you don't know what you're so capable of just to survive. That's right, and that's why I do say we are all inherently evil. We are. Well, and uh, I don't mean that bad. It's just a fact of life. There is something that's very unusual about this album, and I wanted to ask you about it because I don't really understand it. And I'm hoping you can kind of explain it for me. When it was recorded, it was recorded at 432 hertz. Right. Can you explain what that means, what, the, what that difference that makes in an album? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you. So we have... Um, there's a standard of tuning that was adapted, and I believe it's 1936. Because before that, everybody would just kind of, you know, you tune. You know, if uh, Mozart was going to put together something, you know, he's going to say, okay, we're tuning. Here's the tune. And he lays out the, you know, the E or the D, and everybody mm -hmm. tunes to it, and it's really good. But it's not, it just happens to be the tuning that his instrument has settled on. Okay. It could be anywhere from, anywhere from, you know, 436 to 440, 445, it could have been any of a big range of tones. Okay. Now, in 1936, they decided to standardize all the tuning, and they, and they decided on 440. A440 is going to be the tune. That's what okay. we're all going to tune to, and that's, the spe that's a specific tune. The problem with it is, and I don't know if it's something they were aware of or if it's part of, again, another conspiracy. But 440 is a very, very chaotic tuning. Oh, really? And if you, if you ever want to, if you ever, if you're interested, you can. There's plenty of information on YouTube about it, and you can. Uh, and I'll just give you quick things so you know kind of what I'm talking about. Okay. They they do experiments with like um, pools of water, like big pans of water, mm -hmm. and then they introduce a tone, and then to the water you know, audibly, and then the tone makes the water move, right? Makes, right. It makes little, uh, you know, decorations and stuff. So, okay, when when the music is, when when you run it at 440 and, and introduce it to the water, it's complete chaos. It's the water's jiggling around, peaking, popping, boom. It just, it doesn't make any rhyme reads. It's completely random, like white noise. Okay. But if you move the tuning to to our tuning, what is it? Four, four thirty-two. Yeah, four thirty-two. If you move the tuning from a four four forty to four thirty-two, all of a sudden, the patterns that the water makes are like snowflake, beautiful, oh. organized, 
beautiful. I mean, just completely like, wow, just like snowflakes. Oh, wow. And it's kind of a phenomenon. It's not, oh, yeah, it does, or that's a trick, or not. That's what it does. That's what it does. Right, right. So you can, you can have many people depending on what your degree of listening to music is to what, how deep you listen to it. If you would listen to a piece, let's say played a short guitar piece played at 440 or 432, you may notice something warmer about one versus the other. Okay. But some people may not, but just because they don't notice it, and are able to put it into like words and go, oh yeah, that sounds right. But they might, it might affect them in a way they don't really realize. Because if you look at it, you know, we've all heard the stories, oh, human body is like 78% water. Or, yeah. You know what I mean? We, we've all heard crazy numbers. Oh, it's 98% water, right. the whole body. And the rest of it is just like an ash from a red oak. <laughs> so, you know, but, you know, the, the point is, it, it was my opinion, it was, it was my feeling that music that I heard that were recorded to 432 was a lot more kind of relaxing. Okay. And it, it felt as though I was, um, it brought my, my wa the walls down and opened things up for me and made, made things a lot more deep and okay. a lot more broad. So I made a, a point of, of recording it in, in that tone so i mean you you if you listen the thing is that the, the the downside is is if you listen to the album right after another album that was recorded 440 it may sound odd at first okay because if because if, if you if your mind locks into 440 you're already there you already have your tone is already it's already set there yeah. and then you hear something else and it's clearly and it, it's it's kind of different you and, and, and i mean it only takes a little while to uh, adjust and then you once you're in you're then you can uh, see the heavenly glory <laughs> <laughs> is there a future with shark island uh, is there going to be more music once uh, things hopefully start to trend back to normal well if that happens, then I'll have to I'll have to look at it at that point. But I I don't think my pe <laughs> pessimistic attitude I don't think it's ever going to come back. At least not going to come back in terms that I can understand. Yeah, really. And if I'm if I'm young enough to be able to make adjustments and stuff, but I'm I'm certainly not interested in performing in a room with no people recorded just so they could be just so that they could be played on a. On social media somewhere or right. on some platform, I'm not totally not interested in that. Okay. It's just I'm not interested because yeah. I don't. It's it's if I don't have the reaction and the the organic feedback from the um, the audience, it's just not fun for me. It's that's not enjoyable, and I'd rather just do what I do with with my animals here and kick back and <laughs> and do my do my crap here. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I still have my welder. Maybe I'll do some welding. <laughs> I've kept you for quite a while tonight. Thank you so much for your time. Where can people follow the band? Uh, pick up the albums if you know well, if, if there's any available still. Well, if you if you go to sharkislandmusic.com, 
Okay, so it's the name of the band, music.com. If you go yeah. there, that's kind of our website. Now, it's not, it's not nothing special, but it would be certainly a good launching point to find out where to get a record, to find out how to get a download, to, to, to buy merchandise, or to find out anything about the future or anything. It's a good place to start. And so that's probably the easiest one to just to shamelessly plug right now and just say it's that, it's that one. And you can see those amazing pictures of those candles that you were talking about for the Day of the Dead. Are, are they on it? Are they on there? Yeah, they I'm looking at them be. right now. There's two they of them. Be. There's there's two of them, right? Do you see them on the back? Do they show the back cover? Uh, I can't tell if it's the back cover, but there are two pictures of walkways filled with uh, yeah, candles. That's it, yeah. Well, the front cover has Andy Warhol on it. Remember? Right, yeah. That's the front cover. <laughs> so, the, so that must be the back cover. <laughs> well, thank you so much. This has been so much fun. I really do appreciate all the candor and, and the, the wonderful stories. Well, thanks, Mark. Thanks for thanks for having me. It was it was really fun. It was like you know, it was like talking to an old friend. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.